Asato ma sadgamaya, Tamaso ma jyotirgamaya, Mrityur ma amritam gamaya, Om Shanti 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 Om, lead us from the unreal to the real, lead us from darkness unto light, lead us from death to immortality. Om, peace, peace, peace. Today's uh, practice is uh, is actually very well known in in America at least. It's very popular as mindfulness. Mindfulness is very big uh, throughout the West, especially in the United States at present. Uh, its roots go back to the Buddha himself. So you have the Buddha right behind me, a beautiful image of the Buddha. The, the Buddha himself, 2,500 years ago, gave precise instructions for mindfulness um, as a step towards meditative absorption. Later on, these traditions were elaborated and developed. The text that we shall take up, by the way, one um, important thing to know is that all of what we are doing, the ultimate purpose of all of this is awakening, is enlightenment, is God-realization. It's important to note this because meditation these days is um, it's so common, it's a very big phenomenon and it's good that it is, but it's used for multiple purposes. Uh, it's used for uh, stress management, uh, it's used for concentration, for focus, for multiple purposes, and one can use it for that. Those benefits are definite, they do come in our lives. Uh, but one must be aware that these techniques were originally developed by spiritual seekers as a support for their spiritual quest, uh, as a medium, uh, as methods for the spiritual quest. Um, I am reminded of Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, who reputedly, several decades ago, when he came to New York, uh, not very far from here, is Woodstock close by here? Yes. So he uh, propounded, he taught his, um, his technique of meditation, which came to be known as Transcendental Meditation, TM. And he told them, he told the people about its benefits. It was very popular, it continues to be popular how it can help you to manage stress, how it can help boost your immune system, how it reduces the wrinkles on your skin and you look younger, and so on and so forth, many things. Now, the story goes that when he went back to India uh, to visit India, some of his brother monks, because he belongs to uh, a tradition of non-dualist monks um, who in the Himalayas there, so some of his brother monks, it seems they asked him, why do you tell them these things? That's not the purpose of meditation. The purpose of meditation is enlightenment, is moksha, liberation. So he, it seems he smiled and he said, I, I give them what they want so that they will want what I want to give them. <laughs> so right now, it's a way of enticing people into it. Right now, whatever we want, and it's, it's not false, it's true. Meditation does have those benefits, but the ultimate purpose is, is a very serious, very profound purpose for all of these methods, and that is spiritual awakening, realization of our true nature, freedom from suffering. That's something the Buddha and the Vijnana Bhairava 
and the tantric meditation that we'll practice tomorrow and non-dualist Vedanta, all of them have in common overcoming suffering, a deep lasting solution, permanent solution to the problem of suffering, attainment of fulfillment, and nothing less than that. The particular path that we shall talk about now, I'll tell you how, it is, how we're going to structure this session. I'm going to describe the path. Uh, this session is a little shorter than the other session. The other sessions will be one and a half hours. So the, each session will be structured as, I'll give a talk about the path, about the particular technique we're going to talk about today. I'll describe it. Then it'll be open to questions. So, a few questions. I do not anticipate too many questions today because this thing we're going to talk about today is, is pretty direct, pretty simple actually. And then we will have a short practice. Uh, I will guide you through the practice initially. Uh, the practice will begin with the sound of the bowl here. And it will end with the sound of the bowl. So that's at the end. Today's practice, today's tradition is Buddhist mindfulness. And the texts go back centuries, millennia actually. There was a monk called Asanga in India. It starts in India and then it was later developed in, in Tibet. Um, so primarily I will talk about Buddhist mindfulness from a Tibetan Buddhist perspective. So. There was a Buddhist monk, Asanga, who lived around who lived around 800 years after the Buddha. So that means about 1700 years ago. And he wrote a detailed exposition of the steps, a sequence of steps for deeper and deeper mindfulness. So the method is mindfulness and uh, the sequence was introduced later. And his work was further developed by a great Buddhist philosopher and meditator monk called Kamala Shila, who lived around 1100 years ago. So he wrote a book called Bhavana Krama in Sanskrit. Bhavana Krama. Bhavana Krama means the sequence of meditation, where it describes 10 stages of mindfulness. So what we normally practice as mindfulness um, in most at least introductory levels, are basically the first and second stages, which is what we shall do today. So, but it goes on for much, much further and much deeper, so 10 stages. Don't look for the book. I have, it's been translated into English, but it's pretty um, terse and not particularly interesting. It's pretty dry, actually, the English translation. But luckily, we have a book uh, which expounds the method in detail. Uh, it's called The Mind Illuminated, The Mind Illuminated, John Yates. And that's become very popular in the last few years. It's a new book, Mind Illuminated, and it goes through all those 10 stages, and, and it's based on uh, the Bhavana Krama of Kamala Sheila and the earlier work of Asanga. And so John Yates is actually a, neuros a neuroscience PhD. He's been teaching neuroscience, cognitive science for a few years in Arizona uh, State, probably. Uh, he's retired now. So he's brought his understanding of cognitive science and neuroscience into this book also. So this book is uh, pretty balanced, but it's sometimes people are a little, little put off by it because it's pretty encyclopedic. It's uh, uh, very, it's voluminous, <laughs> but very good, very authentic. 
So what I'm going to talk about here is based on the first two stages from, um, from the Bhavana Krama, the first two steps. The whole thing is, um, is about paying attention to breath. That's it, paying attention to our breathing. So the object of meditation in mindfulness meditation is paying attention to our breath. Why the breath? There's certain advantages. One is the breath is always there. Until our dying breath, the breath is always there. And second, you can be passive. You don't have to generate anything. The difference will become clear when we shall practice tomorrow's meditation. You will see the Kashmiri Shaiva, Vigyana Bhairava Dharana, which we will see tomorrow. Uh, where we have to be more active than this. We'll have to be generating something ourselves. If you repeat a mantra, for example, so that's, you have to do it. Uh, it's not natural, it doesn't come by itself. But the breath is always there. In tomorrow's afternoon session, you'll see the object of meditation, deity meditation will be, will be really busy. It's really elaborate and complicated and difficult. Uh, the exact opposite of what we're going to do today. So the breath is always there and it's effortlessly there. We don't have to do anything special. In fact, we shouldn't do anything special. So it's always there. And, you know, in one sense, it's interesting. When you are still and sitting quietly, there is only one thing that is, you can consciously be aware of changing our breath. In breath, out breath. So this constant stream of change, you can see how it is appealing to a Buddhist philosopher. The impermanence of life, continuously changing. And breath itself marks the impermanence of life. I got this book recently by a doctor. Uh, it's about death. And the name of the book, it's become very popular nowadays. The name of the book is When Breath Becomes Air. When breath becomes air. You know, when a person passes away, it's breathing at one point, and the next moment it's just air. Nothing more is there. So breathing also marks not only life, but the impermanence of life. It comes and goes, but it's also relatively stable, because it's the one thing that there is consciously, effortlessly always there. Another thing is, if you concentrate on breathing, you can actually uh, do it anytime. Breathing is available to us anytime, anywhere. So you can see, once we learn the technique, we can do it anytime during the retreat here or at home, at any point of time, anywhere you are, you can immediately start doing it. So the breath is a good, uh, a good object of meditation. How do we do it? Four stages. Four stages. We shall go through four stages. Four stages of what? Transitioning to the object of meditation. Object of meditation, breath. Remember, the importance is not the, in the breath itself. That's always there. The importance in the meditation is our attention to the breath. Paying attention to the breath. So we transition to paying attention to the breath. Right now, where are we? Attention is scattered. We are... Uh, a lot of stimuli are coming. Our attention is scattered. And we will transition in four stages to the meditative state of paying attention to the breath. The first stage will be, now you just listen and then I will, during the meditation itself, I will guide you through it. The first stage will be when we, first we take a posture. Meditation, every meditation, posture is important. So you have to decide a posture which is 
maintainable, which is um, sthiram, steady, and sukham, easy, relaxed, which is not painful, uh, which does not take too much effort to maintain. Movement of the body is to be avoided, not in a rigid way. In meditation, let the body be relaxed, but not, not move. Think of the mind as, you know, there's a bowl, and the bowl is full of water to the brim. Imagine how steadily you have to hold the bowl without the slightest of movement. The slightest of movement sets up ripples in the water. A little more movement, the water will spill. Similarly, the mind, to keep it calm, the first unavoidable, indispensable thing is a good posture. Having said that, don't be rigid about it. If there is an ache and a strain, don't fight it. The whole purpose of meditation is lost if you lose relaxation. So throughout, relaxation is to be maintained. If there is an ache or a cough or an itch, you'll see those pesky things come up when you're trying to meditate. So at that point, you, if you must, then adjust yourself a little. Cough a little if you have to. If sneeze is coming up very badly, then sneeze a little, but not all the time. Also be aware of not disturbing others. If you're sitting on a particularly creaky chair, we could do better to change the chair uh, so that when you, ch you move, you don't generate sounds. It's a very silent environment here right now, so even the least sound is picked up by everybody. And we will ask, I will ask you to close your eyes when it starts. Some can keep, some feel like keeping their eyes slightly open. In that case, you have to look down at the floor near your feet. Um, you can sit with the, in the closed legs position. Some of you are already doing that. You can keep your legs on the, on the floor, your feet on the floor. Um, you can, but the spine has to be straight. Not rigid, it has to be straight. The waist and the spine and the head more or less in the same alignment. Hands have to be at a level. So, so that the body is balanced. You can put your hands on your uh, knees or you can put them like this, uh, left hand below, right hand above, whichever is comfortable to you, when we start doing it. Uh, for the duration of the practice, try to not, not to change the posture. So the first thing, first stage will be, as we get into the posture, close our eyes, uh, become aware of the present, here. For example, here I am at the Garrison Institute in the meditation hall. Here I am. And the moment I close my eyes, what will happen is there will be two main sources of stimuli. You won't see anything. The reason we close our eyes is a great deal of our um, cognitive activity is, con is concerned with visual cortex. So it consumes a lot of our cognitive processing. Eyes open means a lot of our attention is taken up to what we are seeing, and it can be very disturbing, and uh, attention can flicker. So closing the eyes is, is good. And then only two sources of stimuli will be left. One will be sounds, another will be sensations, physical sensations, touch um, of the body, inside the body. So as we close our eyes, we will feel, we'll not listen to sounds, sensations of the body, and there'll be thoughts and feelings, ideas, memories coming up in the mind. All this, breathing also will be going on, these things will be going on. What do you do? Nothing, just be present, here I am, and note what's going on. Not like a reporter, 
what's going on here and have to write a report on it. Just whatever floats into your awareness, note it. Don't follow it. If there's a sound, yes, a car, that's it. Then don't follow up where, what happened, is my car locked or no, don't. The mind will take you on a trip, so don't go on the trip. But note what is coming. That's why it's good to listen to sounds, feel the sensations, because if you listen to the mind, it will take, even if the mind is going to talk about the sounds and sensations, it will start a trip and you'll be out. So listen to the sounds, feel the sensations, let your mind range from sensation to sensation. Look for if there's a pleasant sensation. What do I mean by pleasant sensation? Silence, uh, quietness, steadiness of the body, a warmth, a pleasant temperature, something like that. In that case, note the pleasantness, the happiness in that sensation. And for a moment, enjoy that happiness. Add it to your positivity right now. But also note that the happiness, the pleasant aspect of it is subjective. The actual sense contact is neutral. It might be temperature or coolness, the agreeableness is in our minds. Note the difference between that which creates the agreeableness, the pleasantness, and that which is a neutral sensation, and the inside the reaction you get. Anything unpleasant, a smell, or maybe some sensation in the body, some kind of, um, note that. And remain present, stage one. Stage two, you'll transition into an awareness of the body. That was already there, but now the focus. Be focused on from the top of the head and the face and the neck and the chest and the hands and the waist and the legs until your feet, which are on the mat or on, on the ground, the sensations of the body. What about the rest, sounds and other things? Um, the temperature or what sm smell in the environment, let those them, let them be there. Don't force out anything. Let them fade to the periphery. Let them fade to the background. Make an effort to keep the awareness in the body. Second stage, be aware. Bring the body to the center stage of awareness. Earlier, awareness was open. Only eyes were closed, but everything was open. Now, center stage is body. Sensations. Maybe an ache, or maybe just the feeling of the seat supporting us, the ground beneath our feet, whether you're feeling cool or warm, heaviness in the tummy, very good dinner we had, so that might be there. Breathing going on, any kind of stiffness, tension you find in the body, neck, head, let it go immediately. The moment you notice any kind of tension, let it go immediately. It's awareness of the body. Third stage. Notice in the body, if you're sitting still, only one thing will be obviously moving, that is the breath. So in the third stage, narrow the awareness even further. Everything else, anything that enters your awareness, it's still there, it's welcome. But don't worry about it. Narrow it still further to the breath. What do I mean? In the nose, you will feel the breath. Air coming in, going out. You may feel it around the nose and the face. Uh, you will feel it in the chest. You will feel it in the tummy. 
belly expanding and contracting with the breath. So the feeling of the breath coursing through our body, uh, entering and leaving, notice that. Most obviously we will feel the stomach expanding and contracting. Don't force it. Don't be aggressive about the breath. Now I must breathe. Breathe in now, breathe out. Not like a sergeant major. Just whatever, whatever is going on. If it's a shallow breath, let it be a shallow breath. If it's a deep breath, let it be a deep breath. Notice the breath. All of it, from the nose to the chest to the stomach and then back again, out and exhalation, notice the breath. Everything else floating to the background. Everything else floats to the background. Then the fourth stage. Bring your attention to the breath at the tip of the nose, at the nostrils, here. Just the attention. Don't look at it, just feel. It may feel like cool, the breath passing in and out. If you're wearing your mask, you may feel the, the mask on your cheeks and the breath passing in and out. Sensation at the nostrils. Keep it there. Other sensations will come. Bodily sensations, sounds will come. Even thoughts and feelings will come. Let them come, but let them be in the background, in the periphery. Bring your attention to the breath at the tip of the nose, at the um, nostrils. And remember, don't follow the breath. Breathing the breath itself is not important. That's always been there. The whole purpose of meditation here, the mindfulness, is not, to pay, not, not the breath itself. It's the attention paid to the breath. So the valuable thing is your attention. Keep the attention here. Now, at any point, if, it's, if you lose it, the attention, and it becomes more widened, wide angle attention, let us say, go back to the whole breath, the stomach expanding and contracting, the chest and the uh, air in the nose coming and going, or even the presence of the whole body, then come back again to the, the breath at the tip of the nose, at the nostrils. This breath, this is the fourth stage and the actual meditation. The actual meditation starts here. We have made the transition to the object of meditation. What's the object of meditation? The breath at the nose. Don't follow the breath going out of the nose. Don't follow the breath going in through the nose. Just at the nose. Sensation. Whatever it is. Little bit of air. Little bit of coolness. Or warmth. Sometimes when it goes in, it feels cool. When it comes out, it feels warm. Just notice that. Keep the mind there, breathing out, breathing in. That's it. I said, that's it? Then what? I'm reminded of a cartoon. A Zen meditation teacher is sitting, and the student is sitting next to him. And then he says, calm your mind and follow the breath. And then, then the teacher says, that's it. And the student looks confused. That's it, then what? Nothing. That's it. So, this is the point. It may look deceptively simple. The word is deceptively simple. As we do it, we will see it's not all that simple at all. And why it... This is the simplest and yet a very profound entry into the nature of our awareness. We will see now. Now, as we do it, what will happen is... So, this is the, just the introduction, the first one. As... Then we go on to the second stage. Second stage is nothing but what will happen. When you try to do it, let me tell you what will happen. We know what will happen. Distraction. 
Even the simple thing like following your breath, just at the nostril, breathing out, breathing in, distraction. So one thing we can do is counting. So this I want to introduce, counting. So what is this counting? There are many ways of counting. I don't want to confuse you. I'll just give you one, uh, one way of counting. Um, just by the way, as I said, these are old and complex and very profound systems of meditation, not just what we're doing now, what we'll do tomorrow in the morning and afternoon and the after tomorrow also. So I am doing what I'm going to tell you now and tomorrow and the after tomorrow are things which are preliminary, which are basic, um, rel relatively easy, but also something that I have myself practiced. To, to the extent that I have myself practiced and got uh, some benefit, to that extent I'm saying, because be beyond that also we can talk about it, but that'll be something I must admit I've only read about it. I have not followed it that far. So um, these are traditions other than our traditions. So I have investigated to a certain extent, that much only I'm sharing with you. So the counting technique which I use, I can um, share that with you. Very simple, it's a counting to 10. Why do you count? To stabilize your attention on the breath here. To stabilize our attention on the breath here. How do you count? As we breathe in, that's the beginning. Exhale, that's the end. Mentally say one. When the exhalation is over, breath has gone out, you know the next breath is going to come in. Mentally say one, one is over. Next breath comes in and you breathe out. Normally, don't force, completed. Third breath comes in and goes out, completed. Three, fourth, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. At any point, if you miss it, so who's going to miss it? It's quite possible. With three or four, and suddenly mind has gone off somewhere else. And you think, was that, was that three or four? Where was I? <laughs> if that happens, what you do is go back to one. Go back to one again, start all over again. Whatever it is, if you're in doubt, Say one, two, three. Aim to reach till 10. Make it a project that I will reach till 10 without missing. It can be quite exasperating when you are at eight or nine and suddenly think, was that eight or nine? Back to one. <laughs> Complete till 10, but don't go further. Psychologists have found that even counting becomes mechanical after some time. The counting can go on and the mind can start wandering. So up to 10, count up to 10. After 10 is complete, congratulations. And then just keep your mind there. Keep your attention at the tip of the nose where the breath is going in and out. Notice it going in, notice it coming out. This is the way I did it. There are others who find another way a little more useful. The other way is instead of thinking of the beginning of the breath as inhaling, breathing out, that is, beginning is inhaling and the end is after you've finished exhaling. That's the way I do it and many people do it. Some people find it useful to breathe out, then breathe in and that's complete. What's the advantage there is, see the mind tends to wonder when something is completed. So you, the natural completion is at the exhalation. So mind feels done, let me do something else. But if you do the reverse, 
exhale, finish the exhalation, that's the pause, and then you inhale at the top of the inhalation, that's one. And then the mind will still be engaged. If you see what I mean, if you don't, no problem. That's a complicated way of doing it, but some people like that, just as an option. The simplest way is breathing in, breathing out, one. Breathing in, breathing out, two. Breathing in, breathing out, three, and so on. 10, not more than 10, just, there's a slogan, not less than five, not more than 10. So, um, so that's the counting. After the 10 is over, just go on breathing. If you lose track, then what will happen? Just um, the next phase of it. This is the stage two of the mindfulness meditation. 10 stages, stage two of mindfulness meditation is handling distractions. What will happen, I can predict, what will happen is this. I am following the breath. Distraction comes, something happens. It may be outside, it may be something, most probably from inside the mind. A thought, a worry, an idea. It comes, distraction. Distraction, I next stage forgetting. I forget that I have to keep my attention here. Even for an instant, I forget. The next stage after forgetting is mind wandering. Mind wandering, mind starts, mind goes off, goes off that way. And we are completely, we are out of it. It may take seconds, even minutes. Suddenly I'm awake, oh, back to the nose. Breathing, ah, I awake, and I'm awake. It's awakening. Treat it as joy. Yes, I'm now aware of, of the object of my meditation again. A little burst of joy, be, be happy. It's a little awakening. After all, the name Buddha comes from Buddha to awaken. So we are little Buddhas. When you awaken from that mind wandering into the awareness of the breath at the nose, oh, I have to do this. So note with joy that I've awakened from mind wandering and I've come back to the breath at the nose. A little bit of joy. You're a little Buddha at that instant. And then again strengthen, generate the intention. I shall follow the breath at the nose following the breath at the nose. Distraction. Right. Distraction doesn't have to come. Don't get worried, I'm not getting distracted. What happened? How will I progress to the second stage? I'm stuck at the first stage, I'm only following the breath. If you're only following the breath, you're a blessed soul. And you're on your way to be becoming a Buddha. Most of us, we get distracted. Distraction will come. And then that will lead to forgetting. This is forgotten. Then mind wandering, here and there, all over the world. Then suddenly awakening. Oh, back to the nose. Remember to be happy at that point. Mm, little smile, I will look for the little smile, those who don't have the mask. Inside your mask, you can give a little smile. That I am a little Buddha. I've awakened. Energize the intention. I shall follow the breath. Follow the breath. This is a cycle. Mind following the breath at the nose, there. Then following distraction, forgetfulness. Mind wandering, uh, aha, awaken, uh, joy, intention to follow, mind at the breath, at the nostrils, yes, it's going. They have, gener they have given, John Yates has given a nice slogan there. It's a good slogan to practice for all meditation sessions, not only this one. The slogan is, is that um, relax. Any problem at any stage of meditation in any class. You see, it's not just mind wandering. One can actually fall asleep. We don't know, somebody said that we don't know how tired we are. 
not just physically tired, we are psychically tired. We have been engaged at this grindstone of life for years and decades and decades. There's a deep tiredness within us. So when you relax, the body falls asleep, mind also falls asleep. So you can actually fall asleep. And you can actually awaken from that. Be happy, I've awakened. And then again follow. So first, relax. Any problem you face in meditation, whether I've fallen asleep, don't fall off the chair, by the way. That can be... <laughs> the fallen asleep or any mind is wandering, I'm not able to follow the breath. All of these things are happening. One way is if it's too scattered, then you can keep your eyes slightly open, look at the, at the floor beneath your feet. Relax first. Second, look for joy in the practice. Right here, there are many sources of peace and happiness. Just the environment, just the Buddha, the smile of Thakur Swamiji there, just the quietness. Look for joy. Then observe. What's going on? Why am I not able to follow the breath? And then let it come, let it be, let it go. Any problem that is coming, an ache is coming, a worry is coming, some thought is coming, an itch is coming, a disturbing sound is coming, let it come. Don't resist. Let it be. When I say let it be, don't focus on it. Let it be at the periphery, at the background. And when it goes, let it go. You note that it has gone. No reaction. Let it come, no problem. Let it be in the background. Let it go. So the slogan is, relax. Look for joy. Observe. Let it come, let it be, let it go. Every problem, let it come, let it be, let it go. It works for all the sessions. This is something like a slogan we can use tomorrow, day after, and throughout our meditation practices. So, all right, summing up very quickly. It may sound like a lot. Swami, is this the simplest one? It's the simplest one. It may sound like a lot, but it's not much. We'll just assume a posture. I will tell you. We will be aware of what's going on, and then uh, uh, we'll be aware of the body, we'll be aware of the breath, and then finally, breath at the nostrils. Let's try to stay there. That's all. We'll do it for about 15 minutes, but first... Uh, are there any questions to ask? This is a very simple approach. I mean, there's nothing philosophical about it. As you'll see, it will become complicated and then enormously more complicated <laughs> tomorrow and the after tomorrow. So, uh, are there any questions? First, we'll see from the virtual audience. Uh, the, I'll ask the moderator to ask a question and we'll come to Bill then. First, the virtual, virtual audience. Are there, there any comments or questions? Yes, there is a question from Prabir. Does the type of meditation suitable for a person depend on the person's nature? I suppose so. Any spiritual practice in an Indian tradition, we know that various kinds of practices have been um, prescribed, and it depends on the na nature. For some, an awareness exercise like this is suitable. For others, there must be some element of devotion. Let me tell you a funny story. Um, there was when we were uh, novice monks in an ashram, uh, there was uh, uh, a, a meditation teacher who came to teach the students. So I and some other, and another monk, we went to attend the meditation session. And it was like this, that um, observe the body, observe the breath. And the whole thing was uh, what's called a body scanning. That means you start with your feet, with your toes, and work your way up to the top of your uh, head. 
So the teacher said, sit like this, and we sat. I was there, and the other monk was sitting next to me, who was senior to me, sitting next to me. And the teacher said, now focus on your right big toe. Right big toe. And this monk, in indignation, he got up and he stormed out, muttering, if I'm going to focus on the right big toe, why should I focus on my right big toe? I'll focus on the right big toe of the Lord. <laughs> I'll focus on the feet of my Lord. <laughs> why should I think about my toe? What a waste of time. So, for, for him, a devotional practice. He wants, there must be deep devotion in, involved in it. Otherwise, just an awareness exercise seems to be a waste of time. So, uh, yes, certainly. Um, but, the one which we are doing now, simply following the breath, is so neutral. Notice, no philosophy is involved here. No religious belief. That's why it's become so popular in the West. It doesn't ask you to believe in God or anything like that, or any kind of belief structure. Just an awareness of the breath. This is something everyone can do. Bill, ask the question. I'll repeat it back for the recording. It seems so neutral. How, how does it actually lead to enlightenment? Yes. The question is, it seems so neutral. How does it actually lead to enlightenment? Notice one thing about it, though. It may seem to be about the breath, but it's not about the breath. It's about awareness. Notice, it's fixing the awareness. The breath works like an anchor. So fixing the awareness, training the concentration, training the focus to stay. As you do that, you will see over time, in the 10 stages which are there, which can take a lifetime of practice, um, all sorts of things come up, dredged up from the mind. And a kind of calmness descends on the mind. A kind of clarity. Clarity descends on the mind. Focus comes to the mind. And the idea is the nature of things will reveal itself. It's not just the breath. You start with the breath. You know, in, in a higher stages, from the breath you progress to sensations in the body. Then the thoughts. Your, your mind is, you're aware of the thoughts rising and falling. You begin to see how many things we are not aware of, and when we become aware of them, we begin to see that we are not the body, we are not the breath, we are not even these thoughts arising and disappearing, like motes of dust in sunlight. So, uh, clarity comes. The nature of body, breath, thought, this becomes more clear to us. Many things which we missed about ourselves, and that becomes more and more clear to us. Uh, the how causality functions. There's a funny story about this, you know. Some monks are sitting outside a monastery, Buddhist monks. And there's a flag flapping in the wind up above. So one of the, the youngest monks says, look, the flag is moving. And a senior monk says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's the wind which is moving. And the younger monk says, oh, I see. And the even more senior monk says, no, 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 it is the mind which is moving. And the other two monks say, oh, I see, that's pretty deep. And then there is an old monk on the floor who was probably resting in his room above the three monks sitting there. He looks out of the window with annoyance and says, it's tongues which are moving. <laughs> that means too much talking going on there. Now you see how you move from the gross to the subtle. The youngest monk, actually this is lesson here, the youngest monks only saw the physical movement. 
the elder monks saw that there is a cause, a more subtle cause behind things. It's a whole Buddhist thing, this happening, that happens. This not happening, that does not happen. And the causality, the whole of Pratitya Samutpada is, is there. Um, and then, even deeper, is there anything external? Whatever we experience is actually within the mind. The whole of you know, the mind-only school, the Yogacara Buddhism school comes in there. And finally, I think the old monk had it the best, that you have to get down to it and do it. The question is, how does this lead to enlightenment? The old monk would say, get, start doing it. You will see. <laughs> yes. Uh, one more. Yes. Yes, now, right, a goals, expectations, one is stability will increase. How much do you practice? I think they recommend around, there's specifically 21 minutes in the morning, and I mean 21, each session is 21 minutes, but let's just say 20 minutes. 20 minutes, twice a day if you do that. Over time you will see stability. And over time, what happens is, our emotions, thoughts, habitual, Patterns of thinking, speaking, and acting have less of a hold on us. You'll begin to see, begin to see how we are reacting to things outside. So as they have a less of a hold, we will stop reacting. We'll start responding. There's a very big difference between reacting and responding. Our day-to-day -day life actually will improve. But the Buddhist meditator is not so much interested in all that. Is interested in the deepening of that meditation, going from the first stage to the second to the third and fourth, um, as your mind stays with it. So there is the way they, the ancient Buddhists described it is very nice. A monk is chasing an elephant with a monkey on it. So the elephant is the mind, and the monkey is the present nature, monkey monkey mind, the present nature of the Swami Vivekananda also described it as the monkey mind. And there are 10 stages. At first, the elephant is running ahead, and the monk is trying to get, it, get hold of it. And the elephant is first, at first, black, and slowly becomes um, more and more. The blackness disappears. The darkness goes away from the mind, and the mind becomes purer and purer. At one point, the monkey disappears. In between, there's a rabbit also, which symbolizes dullness. At another point, the monkey is gone, the rabbit is gone, and the elephant is a white elephant, I mean, the sort of mythical. Uh, and finally, you will see the monk is riding on the elephant. That means the mind has come under your control. Uh, so, and finally, there is an uh, uh, enlightenment in the tenth stage is when you are looking back again towards the world with your enlightenment which you share. Ten stages. Uh, if you want to know what we can expect at each stage, I will refer you to that book, Mind Illuminated. It's very encyclopedic, detailed descriptions are there. Can we take one more from the audience? Yes, question from Poonam. Um, can you talk about a routine or austerity one should perform to progress in the path of meditation? Time is about, I mean, there are details. I will talk about more about this on the final day. That's one of the things I want to talk about, that we, where do we go from here? Routine is important. The mind is a machine. The mind is a creature of habit. So if you sit for meditation at exactly the same time, 
every day, it's much easier than to keep changing time. If you sit on the same asana, the meditation mat, in the same corner of the room at exactly the same time, over time you'll see the mind gets used to meditating at that time and it expects to be calm at that time. Um, there are certain preparations before meditation. I will talk about that on the, in the Monday session. All right, let us try it out for ourselves. There's, this is a method, the more we actually do it, the more we will understand. So we will do it for a short while only, 10 minutes. Usually one should do it for 20 minutes, but today we'll do it for 10 minutes. Assume the posture which is comfortable for you. Try to keep the spine erect, the head looking forward, neither lower nor upward. Relax. If you need to stretch your hand, crack your fingers, look this way, that way. Gently close your eyes. Session will begin now. Body relaxed. Breathing normally. Tongue in the mouth will touch the roof of the mouth. The tip touching the back of the teeth. Face relaxed, hands relaxed. Breathing normally. Stage one, be aware. Here I am now. Sounds. Sensations. If thoughts and feelings arise, note them, but don't follow them. Breathing normally, relaxed, present, here, now. Become aware of the body, stage two. The feelings of the body, pleasant and unpleasant, the support of your seat beneath you, the movement of the breath, anywhere, any tension, let it go, let it relax, physical tension, mental anxiety, worry, let it relax. Gradually move into awareness of the breath. Notice as you breathe in, stomach expands. Breathing out, the stomach deflates. Breath in the nose, chest, stomach. 
relaxed breathing, no hurry. Gently bring attention to the tip of the nose, to the nostrils. Notice how it feels to breathe in there, how it feels breathing out there. That's it, stay there, at the nostrils, at the tip of the nostrils. Notice the breathing in, notice the breathing out. When you are comfortable, relaxed, breathe in and breathe out, mentally say one, and commence the counting up to 10.
when I strike the bell, the meditation will come to an end, but don't abruptly look up. Open your eyes gently, look down at your lap, and then slowly look up. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu